0: Hey guys, welcome to The Debrief. After our episode with uh, DeFi, the title of this episode was How to Fix DeFi Tokens. Um, thank you, by the way, for being a premium subscriber. Glad you made it to The Debrief. Um, David, this was actually our second recording yeah. with Hasu. This, this, this Should is we a, talk a, about a, that for a minute? Yeah, me? this is
1: a rarity. Have it's we, a rerecord. Have we ever done that before? I think this was the only no, time. No, so t- tell people yeah. what we did. Uh, so for every single po- bankless podcast, there's like a two to four, sometimes five page agenda. That we produce, and we we made this agenda. We went back and forth with Hazu on it. He wasn't at his home base station. Uh, he was like away. He was traveling, and so he wasn't really you know in his prime. I think he's on vacation. He's on vacation, yeah. Um, <laughs> vacation. Still, this podcast though. <laughs> um, but just like at the end of it, we were all like, "That wasn't that wasn't right. That wasn't what we wanted. That wasn't the right podcast." And so we punted. We kicked it out like two three weeks, and then we re recorded. And then the thing that came out just now was exactly the podcast that I wanted to produce, right? It was yeah. it was perfect, to a T. We covered all the things. We did it efficiently. We did it concisely. Uh, super proud of that podcast that we just made.
0: Yeah, so I think this is, by the way, this is probably a micro um, lesson in effective content creation, which is like, I don't subscribe to, you know this, I know you you, you like to go a little more by the seat of your pants, but like, I think that preparation is essential Mm -hmm. for great content, but you can't be constrained by that preparation. So what I found that works very well is you go, you get ultra prepared on a subject, Mm -hmm. you like bullet point everything you want to talk about, do the full agenda, right? Sometimes in a first cut that will work, but sometimes it won't, right? Whether you're writing an article, whether it's um, you know a podcast, w- whatever you're creating. And, and I think you have to be ready to like take that agenda or that research that you've done, cast it aside, s- sleep on it for a bit, like wait a few days, wait a week, and then come back to it and start anew. Because by that point in time, your subconscious will have digested all of the topics and be able to recycle them in a way that is much more interesting, much more intuitive, much more entertaining and much more digestible. And it's really that kind of that second cut when you like, it's not the the first article, but it's it's the re-editing process where you really make magic happen in content creation. The
1: importance of sleeping on it, I don't think can be stated enough. Um, uh, Well, Sleeping is where you actually codify the things that you learn in your brain. So, like, when you learn something throughout the day, you're actually just like holding that water in your hands until you go to bed, and then it becomes embedded in your brain. So, like, the process of doing something, learning about it, and then sleeping on it is like, how you how you actually come to know something, uh, and like you you allude. I'm a huge advocate for that,
0: like decisions too, <laughs> so like sleeping, important decisions. Huge advocate, sleeping, sleep big them. fan of sleeping, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sleeping as well. No, but like sleeping on a decision right. as well works the right. same way. Hundred um, percent. Anyways,
1: perhaps we should get into the actual subject matter of the. Uh, of the, of the oh the, yeah, of that's the true. Podcast. <laughs> um, so what did you learn? Yeah, I, I'm interested to see when this episode releases the reception of the take the general take of the whole entire podcast the whole entire episode which was we need DAOs to emulate our the organizational structures that came before them which is kind of a, a hot take at the surface levels like wait you want DAOs to become centralized um I think it's yeah. like the I thought we were better I th- than I, that. I thought we yeah I thought we were trying to de- this is the world that we're trying to move away from and like the answer is always yes and no um like we said a number of times in that podcast, corporate governance is a tried and true science. What is the innovation that's needed is learning how to take what's valuable out of that science and then understanding how that fits into this brand new form factor, that form factor being on-chain multi-sigs, private keys, uh, modular DAO structures, tokens, et cetera. Uh, and so like we can ha- we can have this corporate governance structure that is, and when we say the word decentralized, Decentralization only, and not only, I guess, but like it's meaningfully just about nation states. And so like we have workers across the world in different organizational yeah. structures. Um, like it's not true, like I, I guess it's also decentralization from like single, like
0: massive multinational corporations. Okay, so here's what I think, sure. David. So um, as a decentralization maxi, yeah. you might call me, right? And people have, and you as well, right? Um, I think it's very important to know what decentralization is useful for in crypto and what it's not right. useful for, all right? And like the base of I I've come to understand decentralization as an anti-corruption right. technology. Corruption resistance. So it's corruption resistance, right? Not everything needs nation state level corruption resistance, right. but do you know what it does? Your layer 1, yeah. your property rights system, right. the base layer. And so I am like a decentralized maxi for layer one, that base layer, the thing that secures our property rights. The constitution has to have checks and balances and that has to be rock solid. And I will not compromise on that, sir. All right, decentralization, that's the most important thing we can preserve at that layer. But above that layer, I'm like, whatever you know black cat white cat whatever catches the mouse Wait, okay right? I, it doesn't matter I won't, I won't go so far so like M- maker dao is also
1: a protocol and that protocol can be captured and that captured that capture protocol can turn into profits for a few over the many um and so like there there also needs to be cat like uh you know capture resistance
0: um uh co- i agree cr- with you I, I should right. i should asterisk what I just said because I was overstating it to be. But
1: what you you were saying is that if the base layer is uh, corrupted in any particular way, so does every single application on top of it also become uh, corrupted. So we need to make sure that the base layer is uncorruptible.
0: That is what I'm saying. And I do think that there are a few core protocols like, you know, trading and like, and like uh, lending mm -hmm. and borrowing some of these key DeFi core protocols that need to be much more have much more anti-corruption technology and be closer to like something like Ethereum. But I guess what I'm also saying is I feel like we overuse decentralization and act like it's kind of like holy and the best way to structure all sorts of organizations. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, we can't elevate it too high and put it on a pedestal because what it's useful for, its benefit is corruption resistance. Mm -hmm. Its benefit is not like, the most efficient right. way to get something done.
1: Yeah, qu- quite literally, decentralization is a lack of efficiency. Um, shout out to the protocol sync thesis, which was the early articulation that we made on this idea, where you know uh, Ethereum Layer One needs to be maximally decentralized so that all the apps on top of it are uh, also have the same level of corruption resistance. They don't absorb this the corruption of the Ethereum Layer One because the Ethereum Layer One is not corrupted. Then you have like the big mega apps in the app layer. Uniswap, MakerDAO that also have so much built on top of them. So those also no- need to be significantly corruption resistant as well. It's actually not necessarily a, a, a function of, is it a layer one or is it an app layer thing? It's a, how much is built on top of your system? Because your decentralization, or your corruption that you have on stacks below you automatically are imbued in the stacks above you. Uh, so like how many things are built on top of MakerDAO? Um, Parts of Uniswap because of Dai liquidity, big parts of Aave, big parts of Compound. You know anything that Dai touches, uh, and so if MakerDAO becomes corrupted, then parts of Aave and Compound become corrupted. And so, but as you work up the stack, like your brand new DeFi app that you just b- deployed onto Ethereum, uh, like. If, if you are a one-of-one one operator and you are le- the sole governor over that thing, like from the external standpoint, like this is a little bit of a semantics thing, but like that technically that thing is wholly corrupted because you are the governor, the holistic governor over that thing. It's not a public goods. And so the protocol sync thesis, which I, I keep on saying every time I bring this thesis up is we need to talk about it more because we used to talk yeah, about it a lot and should. then it kind of faded off into existence. Um, it's one of the foundational theses that Bankless stands on is that the deeper you are in the stack, the more decentralized censorship and corruption resistant you are. As you work your way up the stack, doesn't need it to be less. so important. But as you intend on going down this stack, you do need to be thinking about it.
0: Yeah, exactly right. And um, I, I do think that that is, at the end of the day, the thing that crypto is giving the world is a digital... Property rights system mm-hmm. with anti-corruption technology. Right.
1: Anti-corruption attached. is the that's whole what, point.
0: That's what right. we're doing, right? And so, like, I I think it's I think it's wonderful, and I think people should have the ability to do a three-person DAO, just three people capital structure, rather than registering an LLC in the state of Delaware. I can now create an entity on chain that secures our cap table and our property rights has a bank attached to it. Essentially. We, we are all participants capital contributors to this capital organization structure with anyone in the world. Don't have to be a U.S. citizen. Like we can just org and we can organize this all digitally on the internet. That is a much better setup than me. Like going through the process of creating an LLC and then having an operating, like I can, I can replicate that in code and I can have a much better um, digital organization because it's on much stronger crypto rails and it's completely like programmable and permissionless and it can do all of these magical things. And I think um, from Hasu's perspective, that's what he, you know, in one of his scenarios where governments kind of start to embrace this, it's not so much government, governments, it's more like emerging markets. So if you're in like Zimbabwe, David, um, and you wanna start a business, you want to create a, a capital structure, some sort of entity, like an, the equivalence of a C Corp or an LLC in Zimbabwe. I don't know, how does that work? Right, do, do you have connections? Do, do you have like a global banking system attached to it? Or do you have to like go get a bank in you know Europe or some other country? Like, do you have a currency that you can depend on that's embedded in it, right? Like what's beautiful about something like Ethereum is you have all of that attached to it. And if in your emerging market economy, if you don't have a decent traditional parallel to that, this gives it to you. And so I love that vision of emerging markets kind of leapfrogging Mm -hmm. all of like the SEC and like the U.S. equities markets and all of these like traditional established uh, institutions that know better uh, and just going right to that destination, because I do think it's, it's really the property rights layer. Is is and the rails, the crypto rails, is the thing that is better here. But it's to, to Hashi's point, Wait, like our but, but assets on, aren't on, necessarily better.
1: On that point, like there's so many parts of this world that don't have exactly what we were talking about, like legal assurances, court systems, the ability to make an LLC. I would say a stable currency. A stable, yes. Well, yeah, that's a different story. Um, I would say the majority of the globe is underserved in their ability to access these things. And Ethereum totally. is just going to be able to like plug in into these third world countries that need access to strong property rights, strong settlement assurances in order to turn their third world country into a burgeoning metropolis.
0: Yeah. And it's all geographic lottery too. Right? Certainly. It's like, certainly.
1: But that draw. really just emphasizes the point that if the, if corporate governance as a science is not some, is not a public good that these countries can tap into, then we need to make that science available to them in the ethereum application layer and that's going to be the thing that serves these underprivileged underserved nations but we actually
0: need to have it first we don't have it yet (laughs) no we're we're just like little toddlers right right now like i feel like we're just um we're learning the simplest of things from you know like the notion can can you believe this that this is like the basic thesis of this podcast in 2022 because i think 10 years later we'll be we'll be talking about this whole space completely differently. But the basic thesis that Hase brings us is, I have a revelation for you. If you are a DAO, (laughs) you should treat your DAO like a business. People are like, what? A business? Like with that's sustainable? With revenue that covers my cost and produces profit on the other side? What are you talking about? I think that is just such a preschool level lesson here pre-preschool level lesson the idea that we can borrow things that have worked in other capital structures for the last 300 years in the past and plug them into like there's so much Mm low-hanging fruit here i guess is what i'm saying and i expect us over the next you know one to five years to get to the low-hanging fruit but then we're going to do the thing that we just did with that are starting to do with DeFi, which is uh we're going to speed run all of the lessons that corporate governance learned over the last 100 years and then we're going to do it better we're going to leapfrog them in the same way that DeFi is now oh collateralized lending like we're still in the 1800s like oh okay all we don't have the notion of credit yet we're going to do the same thing with governance we're going to do the same thing with with corporate structure and then like it's going to get better and then at that point in time we'll have even more to offer back Mm -hmm. to the world but um There's a lot of building that needs to get done here, David. I mean,
1: there's already things that DeFi does better. Like, we talked about it a little bit, but I actually would have liked if we had talked about it a little bit more in the podcast. Like, uh, there is a world where DeFi tokens do offer better investor protections than current equity structures. And you know why? Because we have the EVM, the most Supreme Court in all of the land. Um, There's
0: also... uh, you embed the laws right in right. code, right? You embed all of the investor right. protections like, in code. You can game
1: the Supreme Court. Uh, you know, we've perhaps seen some of that behavior. You cannot game the EVM. Like the EVM is ungameable because it's a it's a court system drawn by math. Uh, so that's that's the inf- investor protections thing. That thing still needs to be worked on the user rights and user protections of things like MakerDAO and Uniswap and, and Aave and Compound are the best in class in the world. And that's a, that's a property that we already have achieved. And, we, and what do you mean by user protection? Uh, I mean, like the whole theme of, uh, you know, Three Heroes Capital broke, uh, Voyager broke, Celsius broke, BlockFi broke, MakerDAO's fine, Compound's fine, et cetera, et cetera. And so like these things have protected their users and like Uniswap is still innovating and iterating on like how to make sure that they get the best uh, price for their users but like the user protections on these things especially if we compare them to like Robinhood and Citadel is off the charts that is something that
0: because it's because the user can move at any time yes. the, the user the user is not locked in right and the user has full transparency right. of how the system works
1: but but also the EVM right like also the EVM yeah. is the supreme court against all things and so like the user who uh, uh, do, like they don't have to hire a lawyer to take them to court. The EVM and Ethereum does it on their behalf every single block, right? And so it, it's like democratizing the access to like legal powers, which is just smart contracts. Uh, and so like user protections are off the charts. we that's a property that DeFi apps and DAOs already have to this day. It's just the other thing uh, of like well, investor protections and, and like corporate governance that we need to innovate on. And once we plug those two things into like the best consumer products of all time. That's that's the next bull market.
0: Yeah, I agree. I the the other thing that was underlined in this episode and has been probably underlined to me over the last, you know, few months is the th- the the reality that the thing that's holding Dow's back to a large degree, the constraint, I would say that we're operating in is purely yeah. regulatory. It's big time. That's the that's the god honest yeah. truth. Thanks Gary. Um, I th- Well, I think that I think like if Gary G would just create a sandbox for us, you know, do you know what I mean? Like I just um so the somewhat strange behavior that we've seen of this overemphasis on the autonomous, decentralized part, it's not just because crypto is full of pie in the sky, like hippies that love decentralization. It's also a reaction to Oh, if you centralize this capital structure to any degree, you're increasing the legal risk. Yeah. And and like you live in a society and you don't want to be thrown into jail in the society that right. you live in, right? Like yes. I mean, we're all humans trying to operate in the, like the real world as well and have a life outside of crypto and so you don't uh, you're not trying to break the law, but we have no clarity on what the law actually is. And so you see these strange constructions like And I say strange, it makes sense given the constraint, but like you have the the uni DAO and then you have Uniswap Labs, which is like completely disconnected from that. And they're like doing their own thing, building their own thing as part of a traditional company. Right. And like Uniswap Labs, they're not really inputs. They're not operating as a, uh, as a brain for the, for the Uniswap DAO. If, if there was regulatory clarity, maybe to have much closer fusion of these organizations right um there could be this goal to decentralize to some degree over time but there could also be like a brain inside of the DAO helping to hand it off helping to provide leadership helping to create the organizational constitution um, helping it uh, off its feet so i don't know what do you think about this regulatory question
1: yeah that's kind of like the big like debbie downer of this whole thing because it's something that's out of our control. like if it was something that we could just build our way out of, I would be super bullish. but Gary G has to go f off and be replaced by somebody who's more
0: permissible and lets us do our well, things. but do you think it's just basically we do have to build our way out? It's kind of like um you know uber right. if if Uber went and asked for permission, right. no one would give them right. permission to go deploy in a yeah. city. So instead, what they did is they went and they deployed in the city. And they were like, regulators, there's no regulation for this. But here's this amazing service that we're providing as as a good, not a public good, for profit good for, and like, the users love it. What do you want us to do? Do you really want us to shut down? And then it forces the regulators to say, nope, like, okay, we'll carve this out for you. And so you have to like build it first, not ask for permission. You have to go build it. Yeah.
1: He didn't say this in this particular episode, but I think on the Reverie podcast that he did, uh, Hazu did. he said, like, yes, we need to just, you know, be conscientious of regulation, understand that we're, like, flirting with legally gray areas, and you know what you, you know how you go through that? You pay the people that are taking the risk and compensate them for the risk that they are taking. You just pay them <laughs> okay. more money to take the legal yeah. risk, and so if the SEC comes knocking to them, you've been funding their own legal, their, their legal budget, Right. Uh, like, DAOs do have big treasuries. They need to take uh, their fundamental misalignment with nation-state structures into their budget account and pay people for taking on the risk for managing these organizations in ways that might violate securities laws. I thought that was a fair take. Then then also, like, it kind of incentivizes, well, maybe, like, do you live in Europe and have no plans to come to America? Well, like, those people might actually take a lesser salary than somebody who's taking the risk and lives inside of America, um, and so like that, that's kind of the way through this, That is definitely possible.
0: Yeah, there's all of these dynamics at, at play for sure. And I, I will just maintain the reality that in DeFi and in crypto, there are far more gains for regulators okay. than there are losses. Unless what they're interested in doing is increasing their power, right? If they're actually interested in going back to the core mission of why they were founded, clear efficient markets investor protection right? these sorts of things these can be maintained not only maintained they can be enhanced not only yeah. enhanced they can be like enhanced with less um cost enforcement yeah. cost in a defi world yeah. all right like have some have some smart contract and if if it, if it
1: costs the sec less to regulate us then they can't go ask the big higher ups for a bigger budget next year
0: mm. ah okay mm. so this is the problem right and this is our critique of, like i just feel like it's very so no don't, what, don't use I think the some EVM
1: double our budget so we can hire more people
0: <laughs> i mean but they'll they'll counter and say no crypto doesn't want regulation it wants to be completely lawless it doesn't care it's just full of scammers who just want to fleece right. retail and all of these things, and like I feel like we are slow. We're proving them wrong over time. Although crypto does have I, many I'm of those not things sure too. About that one. <laughs> But this is also the like the handshake that I would love to make with regulators, which is be like, "Uh, we hate these scammers and individuals too. We have actually like laws that um go focus on this the scammers.
1: Right. Yeah, we we want right? protect DoKwan. Go get go get
0: no. him. go right. get them, please go get them, and and so. I don't know it's I I I don't know how we solve that but I think it's going to take a while and it's going to hold crypto back from at least western more developed markets until we get that taken care of yeah
1: um I mean incentives I think in DAOs are to flirt with being legally dubious um now that the bull market's over and the attention's kind of leaving the space I think maybe maybe we start to like do things and and even parts of the industry aren't paying attention to themselves. Like maybe DAOs start to like do this whole like modular design structure, get themselves organized, focus on value accrual. And they aren't just like super loud and public about it because they don't have to be because it's not a bull market anymore. And so they just do it quietly. And then like fast forward six months, two years from now, we have this like DAO that's totally focused on value capture for the token. And it got built quietly in the background for the last 18 months. And now it did the Uber thing. I was like, yeah, now we're here. Like we already did it. It's too late yeah. to regulate us.
0: That's it. Yeah, you you have to do the you have to do the Uber thing because it's just like, um, we're creating this structure that is good for the world, and we there are, the rules that the old rules don't apply here. Like they just they don't fit the str- the new thing that we've created. It's it's net new, and that like that has to make sense, right? We're not we're not uh, resting on like seventy year old laws. We're talking about like a blockchain digital uh organization here obviously those need to be updated and so i guess that's what we had to do is just kind of build it and then say here it is now tell us what should we do with it and then they can make the decision to say this is illegal stop doing this or they can kind of grandfather DAOs in to the existing structure and modify things and so i it'll probably turn out okay david it'll just i've never been
1: against this industry yeah it's just the timing that's that's the bigger question of course
0: yeah. What else did you get out of this episode? Um, I loved it, man. What do you think of the Dao Constitution idea? You like that? Oh yeah. You like yeah. his tips for what Dao should the, do? The uh,
1: the the Dao Constitution that acts like a GitHub. That was that was actually my idea. Uh, th- while I was going through my like article of uh, how to fix DeFi tokens, it's like wait a second. You have one meta constitution, then you have sub constitutions, then you have sub sub constitutions, and then like you get down to the granular level, which is just like weekly sprints by different like teams, right? And like that's just like the the thing. And like in the same way, like code is managed by GitHub, DAO constitutions can also be managed by a GitHub-like structure. Did Did you know that that GitHub like operates like a fractal, like like a tree?
0: Like um. What do you mean? Like it's design, if you look at all of the kind of the GitHub branches? they call them branches for a reason. Yeah, so like
1: that that branches, and then that branches, and then that branches, and then all of a sudden you have this like all-encompassing like open source piece of software, like this software thing, where all the branches are just like, you know, suggested changes to core, right?
0: I do think another term, you know, you're using the term do, digital organization. Open organization is kind of an interesting play on it too. Because many of these like things Mike. can be like, well, yes, but <laughs> I'm not. Say, I'm not saying replace yours. By by the way, do is not winning. I'm sorry to tell you, David well, Dallas, is clearly winning. Oh oh. <laughs> no, I'm not saying oh oh. I'm just saying the lens of these are these are not just um, digital organizations, but they're also open in the same way D- that code
1: open organizations do o's.
0: <laughs> I'm not trying to create a. I'm not trying to create a thing here. All right. I'm, <laughs> The digital organization is also open. Yes. That is a thing in that it can be like, uh, investigated on GitHub right. and forked right. and anyone can, it's permissionless. It can be like, you can't, you can't do that in a traditional right. corporation, right? You can't just join a discord and just start working for it. Like, um, there's a whole process. So this is part of a, this whole modular
1: like tree structure of DAOs is what Orca Protocol is working on. But the the cool thing about it is like say say we have these monolithic DAOs, which are like the current state of DAOs, uh, where it's just like global token votes for everything, and they go to modular DAOs. Like we already kind of know these metaphors. We've done this before. Um, and each one has their more micro micro governance structures. Imagine there's just this template that like oh he, here is. The the modular DAO template. Here's the the constitution. Here are like the your three sub DAOs that do these things. That's
0: what it's gonna and be. And then
1: you pull that template off the shelf, and boom, a thousand DAOs flourish that are actually born in a structure that you can pull off a shelf and, and
0: blossom. It's a library. It's a library. Yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's a library. to kind of download. Mm-hmm. It. Uh, what's my organization's? What my organizational code? Right. And there's a right. library. There's a set of templates. Right. You just kind of download. 100%. Yeah, I think that's a really cool concept. Well, let me just end the debrief with this. So, um, DeFi tokens down bad, sir. All right. Yet for me, I cannot help but be bullish.
1: Well, yeah, when the price is so low, like you're, you're you're out to be bullish, yeah.
0: Price is so low. The sentiment is the sentiment is basically like these are just all of them are governance tokens. Governance tokens
1: tokens is not a meme. No
0: No value accrual accrual mechanism, and the structure of DAOs is fundamentally broken. That is the sentiment, right? And what I see is like Uniswap, Aave, Maker, some of these blue chips, they are just cranking. That You called it, I think in the episode, money printers. Right. They really are freaking money printers right. here mm-hmm. with so little cost, right. so little overhead. Right. It's just, it's a ma- it's a magic type of organization that I don't think the world is, has seen. And so I, I'm just, I'm still bullish, right? right? Yeah. But like I, I get that there's still a gap of oh we have to we have to link the money printer protocol goodness thing mm-hmm. to the to the to the token upside. But I have to think it's inevitable that we're going to solve that. In which case, like bullish DeFi tokens. Oh, How do you feel yeah. about this? No,
1: I, I think that's a fair take. I certainly think that's a fair take. It's really a function of timing, right? Um I mean, if you, think, if you think Ether has bottomed and Bitcoin has bottomed and we're kind of uh, at least crabbing and eventually up only from here, I definitely think DeFi tokens are a buy.
0: You think they'll appreciate it? Am I calling 18th, my
1: 14th yeah. bottom for DPI <laughs> over ETH right now? <laughs> At yes some i point, am they yes will. i am i am doing <laughs> that at
0: some point they will hasi will save us yeah. he'll figure out the constitution stuff and we'll be good to go awesome all right man great um brief.
1: Get great brief. yeah mm-hmm. that was good great
0: episode. i'll uh that's it guys thank you for being premium members we'll talk to you later